Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, and this is episode 93. And this is the first of three episodes with interviews recorded from the Detroit stop of the Vans Warped Tour. And we have a double header for you this episode. First is my interview with the London-based singer-songwriter Tatiana Di Maria, who you may know from the band Tat. Currently, she's rolling out her own solo material, so we get into uh, talking about that. Then after that, we'll get into my interview with Rob Damiani, the lead singer of the British rock band Don Broco. And they're currently touring off the release of their latest album, Technology, which is fantastic. So first things first, let's get into my interview with Tatiana Di Maria. How's the Warp Tour been for you? It's been amazing. I'm absolutely loving it. I've played it a few times with my band Tat. Um, we first came to the US and this was the first US tour we ever did. So now that I'm putting out a solo record and I'm doing a completely different project, it's amazing to have my first tour be Warp Tour again. So lots of friends, lots of people to see and also a lot of fans um, who we've met over the years who've come to the Tat shows and have now come back to see the Tatiana De Maria show, which is wonderful. So I'm super stoked about that. Awesome. Uh, Why did you, uh, you know, do the solo project? Um, well, when I started writing, um, I've always written in a lot of different styles. And when I was writing the first ever Tat record, I was in high school. I was writing Soho Lights, and I was also producing underground UK hip hop. And it's just not something that people know necessarily, although I did talk about it at the time. But I've always done a lot of different styles. So I also write and produce for movies and jingles and other people. And I guess I... This was, I was in the background, I was making different songs and they started to just sound different and it was me combining all of my different writing and production styles 
into one sound. So I got really excited about it and we tried playing these songs in tat, but they ended up sounding very much like the tat record, like another rock album. So basically I said, okay, I'm gonna record these the way I think they should sound and then I'm gonna see where they go. And it was just a bit too different. And I didn't want to do that to our fans where you completely change the sound, but you keep the name. Right. So decided to put it out as a solo project and keep doing this. So everything I'm releasing now is going to be going on this solo record. I think it's um, something I've wanted to do for a long time. So I've got an EP now. I've got some tracks coming out this year. Uh, a track called London Don't Lie just came out with the music video. So I'm very excited about that. Feel free to check it out, guys. <laughs> YouTube, Face Space, Your Face, whatever face. Um, <laughs> all the online socials that you guys check out. Um, yeah, Spotify, Instagram, all that jazz. There's a lot of music coming. And there's three tracks out at the moment with two music videos. And then after this, I'll be putting an album out um, in the new year and just tracks between now and then. What do you what do you think is the difference between the material you're putting out now in uh, comparison to tech? I think just well, firstly, a few years have gone by, so I've grown, and I think the subject matters are slightly different, and I'm also tackling subjects that I've wanted to talk about um, that made the tat record, but now have a different angle on them, given just a bit more life experience. Um, I mean, I was 15, 16 when I wrote the tat record, and I'm proud of it, and I was honest on that record but it's really awesome to just experience new things and write about them in perhaps a bit more depth and be a bit more open um, and honest. So that's really good feeling. And then stylistically, it's sonically completely different. I feel like a lot of people mm -hmm. that I've talked to, like interviewed today, they're all artists who started, who put out proper released music as a teenager and now they're starting to transition as, into adults. Mm -hmm. Like, how, how, is that, how is that for you? you know, starting out as a teenager, and then as you get older, you know, how's that transition been? Um, I think it might, it's honestly probably been a bit more tough than I might have realized. And I think it's because when you start so young, I was getting, you know, a lot of our press was just, would say things. I never wanted to be good because I was 16, 17. I wanted to be good because the record was good. Right. And I believed that at the time. And looking back, I still believe that. I'm proud of the record. Um, but. There's something that happens where you, st like on a bad day, you might think, oh damn, well maybe it was only good because I was 17, you know? Maybe doing it to be people would be like, oh, there's a child prodigy and there's this and there's that. And I never really paid attention to that because I think it's, people experience things at different age. It doesn't matter whether you're 12 or 50. If you're writing what's true to you, someone in your age demographic might relate. And there are millions of people on planet Earth in every age demographic. so. Let's have music for everyone where everyone can relate. And I think that's important. But I think when you're living life and you come off tour and you start to go, wait, am I old, am I young, am I whatever? You sort of try and find your place in the world as a young adult. And I think it sort of made me, made me really want to dig deeper into the writing, really made me, um, you know, a lot of the, sometimes you do the opposite to what's been successful because you right. rebel against yourself in a way. So. I think it took me a minute to really find find this new sound for myself that I knew I wanted to make, that I was making. And I think it just took it took a second for me to not want to disappoint the TAT fans and make peace with that. And then grow into doing what I needed to do for myself and knowing that people who connect to me will connect to that as well. Did you feel like you had that, that you grew up faster, you know, being a musician at a young age? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think I've, I've always 
Uh, my siblings are, are a fair bit older than me. Um, my eldest siblings are 13 and 10 years older than me, and I've always grown up with people who are older. So in a way, I've sort of always hung out with a crowd that's been doing, been a different phase of life to me. Right. Without really realizing it, I think I was so used to it. And I got to a point where everyone had settled down and had kids, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, I'm not there yet. Um, at the same time, I think I grew up in England, and... Uh, I was out young, I was promoting nightclubs, I was lying about my age, but I was making great money and I stopped drinking when I was 17. And I think it really, just things are available. So you kind of go out and you do them. And I think at that point from 17 onwards, I just really knew what I wanted to do and was able to hone in on it and focus on it. And I think in that respect, yeah, possibly, you, you travel a lot as a musician, you see a lot, but more so knowing what you want to do. I had a lot of friends who still, you know, didn't didn't know what they want to do with their lives yet and it took you know even to the mid-20s going I'm still not sure what I want to do but I feel lucky in that I knew what I wanted to do so I got to dedicate all of those years to it and really grow in that arena and I think with in that respect yeah um but I think growing in life just traveling whoever you are musician or not um but I feel very lucky we've been exposed to a lot of people a lot of bands and it's been a beautiful experience when you're doing so much when you're on a any tour like the Warp Tour, or doing any sort of traveling, any touring, how do you sort of keep your your mental health or your physical health going through these tours? Um, it depends. I mean, your mental health, you just want to make sure that you're taking enough time for yourself. Um, you're living, I mean, if you like things tidy, it's really hard to keep a van tidy, an RV tidy, <laughs> a bus tidy, a plane tidy. It's hard to keep anything tidy when you're on tour and you're running between press and stage and changing between stage outfits and normal clothes. You know, right. it's just it's a lot of different things going on. Um, but I think so long as you're disciplined about keeping things tidy and so long as you take enough time for yourself and you really fo you don't try and do everything, you know, you keep yourself together and then maybe a bit of yoga, stretching, whatever it is, um, and eating healthily. It's important. It's really easy to eat Taco Bell and Burger King every day, but you you want your body to feel great. You want to feel great, and you want to put on the best show. So eating healthily is definitely important. Yeah, I caught your set earlier uh, here at the Detroit date. It was raining while I was you know going on. Thanks just, for checking it out, mate. <laughs> it was a, it was really really cool set, and um, I love that you're you know you put a lot of like humor. And you have fun up there. You know, how important is it to just have fun up there? Thanks, man. Um, be, a, be a little bit dirty, too. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I don't really sort of get on stage and then whatever comes out, comes out. Sometimes I'll get off and someone will be like, remember when you said that? I'm like, no, I don't. Because it's kind of in the moment. And I think right. you just, for me, it's definitely important to have fun. I mean, like the next person, I'm very, very lucky to have a really fun job making music and it's very easy to overthink it it's very easy to make it very serious and to stress yourself out and end up hating it you know thinking about sales and is this a hit and is this not a hit and whereas in the end of the day I grew up loving people I connected with you know people who I maybe found funny people who who I just looked at I don't know I just felt something I connected with you know and so I think for myself it's important being up there to a have fun and b I guess I've never really had stage fright, and I think a big part of that is that I, I just think these are humans. They're people, and they're there. They want to have a good time. I want to have a good time. So long as I stay in that headspace, then where's the big deal, you know? It's just music, and it's fun, and I hope it touches people. I hope they go home and listen to the lyrics and can identify with it, relate to it. But 
I want the show itself to be an experience that makes you feel alive, is unique, right. and isn't exactly the same as the album. Right. When you have a whole lineup of fans coming up to talk with you after the performances, mm. you know, what are you talking about with them? What's the, you know, the usual topics? It depends. I mean, sometimes people come to the signing lines with something they want to say. Um, there was a lovely gentleman today who basically said, you shaped my youth and um, thank you very much. And I heard this song and it was really lovely being on the receiving end of someone. Um, someone's passion for what you do is, is really wonderful. So I was very grateful for that. And then some people have seen us play in TAT. So, you know, recounting memories for them is fun. They're like, oh my God, I saw you at this date. And we took this picture and check it out. <laughs> and I love those. Some people have brought, you know, vinyl or t-shirts or old merch that we sold. So that's really amazing. And then other people might come over and go, I've just walked past and I just saw you play. And I wanted to tell you that I really enjoyed it. And thank you for doing that. And uh, that's amazing. That's something that happens on Warped Tour more so than other places because you discover so much new music here. But to have people say, I was walking past your set on my way to see another band and I couldn't leave, I'm like, yes, <laughs> score. Sorry, other band, but <laughs> it's, it's really lovely. It's a wonderful thing. And so I, I just introduce myself. I want to, you know, I ask them what their name is and I'd love, I like to meet people. I like to look them in the eyes and just see who they are and have a little chit chat, whatever they feel like saying. How important is it to, to build that community, you mm -hmm. know, wherever you're at? I think it's paramount. I think in the end of the day, music is to me about connection. So if people connect with what you're doing, that's really the reason you're doing it or the reason I'm doing it. Right. I went through a really rough time when I was a teenager and I remember hearing this record for the, f it was no, um, Rancid, So Long and Out Come the Wolves. Sorry, I'm saying, so I'm mixing it with my first record I bought, No Effects. So Out Come the Wolves, Rancid. First record I bought, No Effects, So Long and Thanks to the Shoes. Yeah. Um, and basically those two records at a given point, I was going through a really rough time. And I remember listening to them and thinking, holy shit, this is the only thing that takes my anxiety away. And I felt like it was like the, just the cure to everything, that music was a cure to everything. And I had to tell everybody, holy shit, this is the most amazing thing ever. And I was a kid, I was 12, you know? <laughs> right, but yeah, I, I know start, that feeling. Yeah, and I think a lot of us in music or anywhere near music and a lot of other people are just living life will say music saved my life. And so with that in mind, I write songs because I felt that and I wanted to spread that feeling. And um, I don't sit there consciously thinking, I'm gonna go and spread this feeling. I write stuff and if I feel good about it, I hope other people will too. I hope they get something great out of the music. And in the end of the day, if they connect with it, those are the people who are on the receiving end. So if you're hitting a tennis ball, who are you hitting it to? Do you know what I mean? So I'm hitting it to these people. Whoever digs it, gravitates towards it and wants to chat and has a connection with it. Well, cool. That's why I'm putting it out there. So let's chat. Do you feel mm. like for what you do, that you, do you have a duty or do you want to be a role model? Um, I, I mean, I think the best way I think I could be a role model is to just do what I do and be as courageous as I can be and l set an example for people. I mean, it's sort of like putting your insecurities and your flaws on blast and saying, all right, here they are. Like, if I'm fucked up and you're fucked up, cool, that's okay. Yeah. And I think letting people, that's why I'm excited about this new record. That's why I'm excited about the level of honesty on it. Um, something I've been thinking about for a long, long time and uh, something I've really wanted the space to do. So I now have that with my solo record. But yeah, I think you, you putting yourself on blast can take balls. There are things I'm admitting on this album. I feel like a complete asshole 
for doing them and yet I'm admitting them on a record because we all have flaws and let's neutralize that. Let's not have things be so taboo in certain arenas. And so, yeah, to a degree, I'm not trying to be a role model. I, I mean, honestly, I would rather not be a role model. I'd love to have the freedom to do whatever I'm, I'm going to say some fucked up shit. <laughs> I'm sitting here telling you that I want to connect with people, but there will be days where I'm really tired. I've lost my voice today. Like, it's hard to speak. So, you know, sometimes I need to take care of myself too. Yeah. Um, not perfect. And I don't think people should be perfect. Like, I don't, you just look like a plastic cardboard cutout. There's a bird out there who looks like Barbie and she went for perfection. Great. It's not necessarily for me, um, but I think uh, I think to each their own, and I think there. Are so long, as, I mean, there has to be something for everyone. You know what I mean? So we'll be like, oh, I hate this music, I hate that music. I'm like, nah. There needs to be every style, every music. There are different people on planet Earth. Let everyone have their flex. Let everyone have whatever they're into, and fucking get through this thing called life in the most happy way they can. How important is it to be transparent? I mean, it depends. There are some things I think it's more important to be transparent about than others. And I think that um, you pick and choose and sometimes you make, you, you pick and choose based on the life you want to live too. You know, I have a life and I'm a private person. I like to keep it that way in a lot of arenas. Other arenas I like to say, okay, this is something that I do think is worthwhile and let's make that public, you know what I mean? But I, I enjoy my space. I enjoy being a bit of a recluse. I enjoy... <laughs> doing my thing and being with my music and being with my words and I enjoy helping people. I enjoy doing work that helps people. So it's just about balancing your life really, I guess. Uh, where are you from exactly? London, England. How, how, um, you know, how did that city, you know, mold you as a person and musically? Huh. I don't know. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of dub and the clash. <laughs> so I guess a lot. I mean, it's a bit hard to look back and really quantify what where you've grown up has done for you. Um, but I guess there's a song called London Don't Lie Out Now. And I think I was playing it on tour a few years ago acoustically. And it's really nice to release the song. But I think um, the lyrics in that song sum up a message and a sentiment, I guess, that reflects how I feel about home. And I think London is um, is an honest place to... to to a certain degree in certain places, which I very much appreciate. Um, but yeah, I would say go check out the song, see what you think. <laughs> great, great. When, when uh, you know, with all this new music coming out, you know, how, how much of a you know, vulnerability do you feel like, or just anticipation with everything that's about to come out? Um, I guess you always, being the first, EP I'm releasing on a solo project I definitely was like oh shit this is going to be out there now and it's a different style and we'll see what people feel so there's a bit of apprehension um, a bit of nerves but good nerves and now I'm just very excited that people are starting to get the flow of what I'm doing and the style is still going to change there's a lot to go you know there's still a few more tracks to come out this year a bit of like a nugget of advice that you can sort of extract from your life and career mm -hmm. that anybody listening to this would uh you know, be able to take and apply it to their own lives. Doesn't matter if they're a musician or whatever. What would that be? I think just unapologetically be yourself. You know, people are always going to have an opinion about what you do. And you might have seen this a million times on Instagram and every little meme there is, but it's true. You know, do you? You can try and be someone else and it's just, it's got to feel good. If you see something someone's wearing and you think that looks cool, 
good. Let it let it feel good to you. Um, I think there's a lot of trying to fit in that happens. And when you try and fit in and you do different things, if things inspire you, cool, follow that path. But if you're doing it just to fit in or if you're making kind of music because you think it's popular or you think this or you think that, I mean, it's just about being honest. Look at Adele. She wrote an honest record and it exploded and a lot of people didn't think it would because of the style and the sound that was hip at the time. But there is always shit to prove people wrong. So just do you, be honest, be real, because I think that's just what people want in the end of the day. And if anyone would look at me and be like, oh, cool, that girl doesn't give a fuck and she's doing her thing and it's working for her, I'm going to do that too. If that's what people take from it, great. Awesome. It was great talking with you. Where can people uh, find out more information online about your music, listen to it, whatever? Um, I have a website, tatianademaria.com. I'm on Instagram. That's probably where I am the most, Tatiana De Maria, and Facebook, Tatiana De Maria Music, and Twitter. Um, but yeah, come find me online. I'm also on Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Vivo, you name it. Just yeah. look me up. Check out the songs too much. What it is about you, London Don't Lie, and stay tuned. There's a lot of new stuff to come, and I'm super excited to release it. Super grateful to be on the final run of Warp Tour. And I'm really excited to be touring more in the new year and putting out a full length and hanging out with all you lovely folk out there listening. All right. Thank you. It's good talking with you. Lovely. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. So that was my interview with Tatiana Di Maria. She was great at the Warp Tour. Her performance was awesome. There's more information on the show notes at freshesthepodcast.com on where to listen to her music and get more information as her solo material keeps rolling out this year. So now let's get to my interview with Rob Damiani of the band Don Broco. All right, how's it going? How's Warp Tour? Uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, currently a little bit rainy, uh, <laughs> but uh, all in all, it's been just an insane few weeks, like... Crazy, uh, crazy sort of thrown in at the deep end of like hardcore touring. There's no tour quite like this, but um, yeah, we've had a lot of fun. Being our first tour, um, first warp tour, sorry, it's uh, it's a lot to take in, but we've been embracing it and just getting involved, and it's been uh, super, super rewarding. When you embrace it, like how you like sort of dealing with like how how immersive this uh, tour is like how do you just deal with like your sort of mental and physical health during a tour like this i think you got to realize that you're not going to have like you barely have any time to yourself right um so you're like you're on the go all day you're sort of and even when you you think you might have like a minute to chill you're like bumping into people chatting and not even like in a you know in a, in a bad way like you're just you, you're constantly like hooking up with friends seeing other bands uh, obviously, you're doing your shows, you're like working out when you're going to have time to eat, you're doing your press, you're doing this and that, you're, you're socializing as well, you're playing games. There's always like people like playing drinking games or like <laughs> some sports or, you know, just a bit of football, soccer, kicking it around. Like, and you can sort of take yourself away from it if you really want and just sort of, I don't know, hide in your, hide in your bus all day. But um, I think, yeah, if you're embracing it and you're getting involved in that side of things, it's... It's super fun, super tiring, but super fun. I know you guys have done a lot of uh, tours of the U.S. How do you like touring the U.S. when it's like between each city, there's just like a whole lot of nothing in comparison to touring like the U.K. or Europe where you can get to each place relatively quick in comparison to the U.S.? Yeah, 
Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably the biggest difference. Uh, Sorry, I'm yawning. I'm <laughs> <laughs> tired, I am already. It's a tiring uh, tour. It I is understand. a tiring tour. Um, no, I mean, we've, we've only done two US tours so far. Yeah. But our experience of that, like, of, of just the, the drives is just unlike anything you can experience in the UK. You know, you're max, you're going to be driving like four or five hours, really, in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and that's like a minimum drive, minimum, minimum drive here. You know, <laughs> most of most of the drive, if it's well rooted, is still like eight, nine hours between shows a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, you um, you see a lot of like just nothing driving around. I mean, a lot of the time you are sleeping while it's happening. But, you know, I think the time the time that I guess we recall the, the, the most from from like actually just seeing nothing was um, when on our last tour we were um, playing with our last night and we our bus broke down uh, bandwagon broke down and we were in the middle of the desert <laughs> and we didn't think we'd make the show uh, right. but we managed to get towed pretty much all the way there which was insane right the guy that picked us up just picked us up and was like yeah we'll tow you the whole way so it was just this you know, the first time we were just on the road for so long, um, t he was towing the thing. We were in it for a bit, then we jumped into a, um, a rental car. And we just saw like this, the, the expanse of just nothing, which is between most cities. And it was pretty crazy, to be fair. Like just the, um, the amount of just fields of just arid, <laughs> like <laughs> desert and nothing really growing. And then the occasional like, I don't know, tree. <laughs> right, right, right. And then you just come across this collection of towns, like these these tiny towns that you think there's like just nothing else there. Like, and, the, you know, there's these kind of like self-sufficient, like just, yeah, just kind of, I guess, clusters of, of homes and like a few stores. And yeah, there's nothing like that in Europe. So that was, that was pretty cool to see. What I really enjoy about uh, your band is that you guys kind of have this nice balance of of being a serious rock band, but then you have this like pinch of like of your like British humor into it all. But it's never anything too like like corny or overly like I don't know. I, I guess the British word would be cheeky. <laughs> it's not overly that, you know. So how 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 do you go about sort of balancing all that, having fun in your music, but still being you know being a serious rock band? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, and I think it's something that we've almost struggled with our entire career because we, uh, you know, we do have a sense of humour and we like um, we like putting that across in our music videos and our, I guess, just day to day life. You know, right. like as you're living your life, we'll be you know making jokes, whatever, like enjoying fun stuff and. You know, to, to do that while still creating serious music, a lot of people will see that kind of humorous side of you and just write you off as, oh, there's those, like, bunch of jokers. They're, like, oh, they're just like a joke band. They're just a you joke know, band, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we, gimmick band, whatever. Totally, like, and I guess we, we've always looked to, like, bands like Foo Fighters, like, and, and I guess to a lesser degree, because um, a lot of people did write them off at the start, Blink-182. Bands that can write incredible music, powerful songs, yeah. and and serious, and they're very serious musicians, serious about 
their songwriting serious about what they're playing, but still have that sense of humor about them. And like, you know, you watch a Foo Fighters video. Like, yeah, they're uh, really good at that. Yeah, like, that, and they, they they do that great. You know, where they can they can balance that by having a few like hilarious videos, <laughs> just insane concepts, while writing like genuinely incredible songs. And then they'll put out a video which is a serious video, and and it's fine. And people just accept that for them. Yeah. Because they've um, they've kind of they've I guess given the world that blueprint of a band that can do both. So yeah, that's how we'd, we'd love to be um, perceived as, you know, a band that, you know, just are serious about the music, but can have a good time while doing it. How did you, how'd you guys sort of like get over, get over those struggles of sort of finding your own voice and finding this, whole, this style that, that you guys have now? Um, I think that's just, it's a, it's just a process. It's a process that we've been going through since we started writing music. Um, you know, we've been a band for, well, like, must be like six years now, six, seven years. Um, probably touring properly, only like a little less than that, but like we were all friends at school. So we've been playing since, since right. we were like 16, 17 um, in bands. You know, we were in, you know, Metallica tribute bands, <laughs> pop punk cover bands, um, like, we were like this rap group for a while where we were like basically a ba we were kind of like the backing band to um, these these guys from our, from our town who were these two like insane insanely talented rappers and we just played with them a load of times and it, yeah it took a few years to kind of work out what music we wanted to make and you know rather than just doing covers and you know I think as any band will tell you like when they first get a gig it's quite rare for a band to actually have like enough songs to play a gig right. so We'd have like three or four songs and then fill in the rest with like a Deftones cover, uh, a Jimmy World cover, a, an Incubus cover, whatever, just kind of mix it up. And then it was only, I guess, yeah, when we started taking things a little more seriously. And I guess we grew up a little bit. We were like, wow, we really want to make our mark on, on the world of, of music and, and rock music. And what can we do that's different from other people? And, you know, that was like looking to the influences, looking to the bands that we love and just taking like little ideas from from all of them and kind of mashing it all up churning it around and putting it back together in a, in a new different way and um i think yeah it, it's we're on our third album now it's taken three albums to get to this sound i think every album we'll try and push things forward and bring something different to the table because we're a band that never likes kind of standing still we want to be constantly moving constantly reinventing the dombroco sound and I think from that, that's where you sort of stumble across, um, like, yeah, an original vibe that hopefully people haven't heard before. Right, the new album, Technology, really was a great step forward for you guys. You guys really felt like a big band with it. You know, looking back into, you know, re writing and recording that album, how do you feel, how do you feel, you know, now looking back at all of that, about how you, what, what you were able to accomplish with it? Um, I think the the cool thing about the last album for us is we we just we didn't think about it too much. It was like the only real conscious decision we made was let's not overthink it. Let's just write big riffs, big choruses, catchy as fuck shit, and see see what happens. And not really um, not spend too long on the songs. As soon as we were stoked with the songs. We just wanted, we just recorded it and, and got them out there. So yeah, I mean, that's why 
a lot of the songs on the album were actually out before the album was finished because as soon as we had a song we liked, we just put it out there, got shot a video, got it out there to the world. And um, I think because of that, it kind of just, it felt a lot more uh, exciting for, to us and probably to, to a lot of people as well because it was just fresh. It was a lot fresher and um, it just sounds kind of, it was written for a live environment. When you don't think about stuff too much and worry about like making it too studio based, you just make it sound as loud and as heavy as it can. So that's what we did. And, uh, and it's just ended up sounding really good. You know, when we play it as well, it's, it's definitely the best sounding music we've ever written that we can play live because it was kind of written with that in mind. Yeah, I remember sort of the ramp up towards uh, the release of technology. And I'm like, when the first like songs were coming out, I'm looking, I'm like, oh shit, we still got months before the album comes out? Oh shit. But, but, it, it, but nothing, but it didn't fizzle out. My interest didn't fizzle out like maybe a lot of bands do in this sort of short attention span sort of society. So I, how did you feel when like, you were able to do this longer sort of rollout of this album and it still worked like it did back in the day? It is great. It's, it's for, for us, it's the, you know, the most enjoyable album release we've ever had because you know the traditional route is i guess you kind of wait till everything's done you um you know you drop a you drop a single then you drop another single with the album and then it's like unfortunately the, the world we live in today people people get bored right you maybe like six months down the line they're like okay when's the new album out and you're like we've just finished writing the other one like we're still working this yeah, album yeah, yeah. come on come see us live um, so I think the fact that we got to kind of keep stuff out, kind of, you know, as soon as we had it ready, it was like a single, work on another few song, bunch of songs, one of the songs ready, put it out as a single. That kept it super fun for us. Like the last two albums we did, we had to wait like a year before the albums finally saw the light of day. So by the time we actually were playing them and people heard them, we were kind of, not bored of them, but we were kind of like excited to do some new shit. Right, um, and that, there's, it's the worst waiting time for any band is having an album ready, people wanting to hear mu new music, but not being allowed to release it because of, you know, the record labels plans or the touring cycle isn't ready or whatever. You know, it's like waiting for all these things to fall in place. Right. Uh, not worrying about that and just doing it felt so good to us. Back home, how do you guys sort of uh, you know fit in with uh, sort of the music scene back there? Uh, do do are you guys sort of known in between different genres of music back home? Do you have friends that do different sort of of uh, music? I know you, you mentioned earlier how you know you work with some uh, um, rapper friends of yours and stuff like that. But these days, how how is it back home? You know how how do you sort of interact with the other bands or music artists back home? Yeah, it's a, it's a another interesting question. We've, I guess, we've never really quite fitted in anywhere, which is um, sometimes been kind of tough. I think maybe starting out as a, as a as a band trying to get shows, it was always hard finding gigs, like because no one really knew where to put us on a bill. Like we do all sorts of shows, you know, we play hardcore shows, we play more kind of like pop indie shows, um, we'd be put on on like student nights and stuff like, <laughs> like all sorts uh, and we just take what we could get um and i think because we sounded maybe a little bit different to, to to other to other bands on on more traditional bills um 
yeah, people didn't know where to place us, and it's kind of a it's a bad thing and it's a good thing. Like right. it's it's bad because people you, they they can't um, you know they can't label you, and sometimes that's really hard for people to understand or even check you out because no one's like, oh, check out this band. They sound like I don't know Fallout Boy or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, now actually looking back, I think that's a funny example because I think we do sound a little bit like Fallout Boy. <laughs> a probably be- a weirder example would be like, um, I guess who a band who are like, you know, just pl- playing all the time. I guess someone like um, a band that were like really sort of like kicking off, I guess, um, in the in the UK when we were starting out was um, Gallows. Yeah. So they were like a really kind of huge UK band who were sort of just killing it. And um, there'd be a load of bands that would then like come out sounding a lot like them. Right. Always. And as there is, and it was weird, you know, and that, that always happens in cycles of music. And we didn't. So people, yeah, weren't, weren't sure kind of where to place us. But I guess now once, once you establish yourself and you play more shows and you kind of gather those fans from different walks of life and you know we toured predominantly we toured with rock groups and most of our friends are in rock bands so you kind of figure out who your buddies are and just make tours work through that um so yeah i guess in the uk now you know we're, we're a rock and roll band that's who we are right but it's nice that people have now kind of accepted those other leanings of ours and it's cool when you see a, a crowd and there's there's people from all walks of life um you know we've we've always loved all genres of music and you know um we listen to everything under the sun you know whether it's dance music hip-hop soul um and it's cool when you meet our fan base and you find people who aren't necessarily always into listen to rock music um but somehow they they dig us um and then you meet like other people who uh you know absolutely fucking love like the heaviest shit ever like someone turns up in a fucking Slayer t-shirt and they're like, yeah, you're my favorite band. It's like, what the hell, you know? Um, and they're legit. It's not like a, a H&M Slayer t-shirt ripoff. They're right. like, they love their real, real sort of, you know, um, old school rock, but they still dig us. So right. it's nice sort of uh, having that crossover. Just to close things out, what would, um, what would be some sort of like a nugget of knowledge that you could probably extract from your life or career that anybody listening to this interview could sort of apply to their own lives, something that you've learned about your life, that something actionable that um, they could apply to their lives, that could help them in whatever they're doing, whether it is music or any other walk of life? I'd say, you know, just, I mean, it's a very, it's a very fucking well-trodden piece of advice, but um, just take chances in life. Just like, don't live with regret. That's my main thing. And that's kind of been our mantra for this band. It's like, you know, we never thought we'd be where we are today as a group. We started, you know, through just love of music and love of playing with our friends. And um, we only ended, ended up in this band because we just took a chance and kept taking more chances. And, you know, you don't want to look back on life. Anything you do, think, well, what if I tried that and it, it could have worked out? Like, if you're scared of something, that's a good thing. Do it. Do it and fail. Like, failure is great and fail and keep failing and you know it's going to work out one day and even if it doesn't work out one day that's fine as well you keep trying 
and failing. And then you go, well, I give it a fuck. You know, I gave it my best shot. And you can sleep easy at night. That's, I think that's my, my one thing in life that I'm just, I'm so afraid of is um, not giving something a fair shot and right. uh, not taking a chance. And it does take a lot of courage to take those steps sometimes. But when you do it, you know, it, it's, it's just so worth it. Yeah, thanks for talking with me. Uh, where can anybody check out the band, uh, more music, any more information online? Just, yeah, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, forward slash Don Broco, uh, Spotify, you know, Apple Music, Don Broco. We're all up on there. So, yeah. Cool, man. Thanks. No, thanks for having me, man. So that was my interview with Rob Damiani, the lead singer of the British rock band Don Broco. Their new album, Technology, is out now. Go pick it up. It's really awesome. Links to check out Don Broco will be listed in the show notes for this episode at freshisthepodcast.com. And now let's get into the Fresh is the Word, Fresh Pick of the Week. This episode's pick is the new album, For the Cause, from New York hardcore pioneers Madball. Beginning in the late 1980s, originally consisting of members of Agnostic Front, Freddie Christian, on vocals, who is the younger half-brother of Agnostic Front's frontman, Roger Merritt, Madball has always been a staple of the history of New York hardcore. For the Cause shows that when you're born in hardcore, hardcore really never died. So that was this episode's Fresh of the Word, Fresh Pick of the Week. And before we get out of here, definitely want to remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and share any links that you might see on the website for any of the episodes and any of your social media platforms. You can also subscribe to Fresh is the Word on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn. Just type in Fresh is the Word and it should come up. And if you feel like it, please uh, leave a rating and a review. And if I do see that you left a rating and a review, I'll uh, talk about it on the future episode. That would be cool. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh and on Facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh. And you can follow Fresh is the Word online on Twitter at FITW Podcast, on Instagram at Fresh is the Word Podcast, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast. Well, that's it for another episode of Fresh is the Word. There will be two more episodes with interviews from the Warp Tour Detroit Stop coming up within the next week. So be on the lookout for them. So thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.